God bless the city of Rock Hill. Rock Hill is such a special place. They're going to know Rock Hill for more than Football City USA. Pathways, Indoor Center, Knowledge Park. It's just a wonderful time to be in Rock Hill right now. The city of Rock Hill is one of the only destinations that fully gets it. It builds world-class venues that are better than anywhere in the United States. Hello and welcome to CityCast, where we aim to keep you updated on all things City of Rock Hill. I am Ashley Studebaker, alongside co-host here, Matthew Cray. And today we have our special guest as Director of Parks, Recreation and Tourism, Mr. John Taylor. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you all for having me. Of course. So before we get into the fun stuff of what you do on a daily basis, um, we do like to have a little fun time with our guests. At the beginning. At the beginning, yes. So Matthew's actually going to lead this one. Um, So go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So usually we do a speed round of questions and... Or we do a fun question, but we wanted to mix it up today. So I've come up with two truths and a lie. So I'm going to read off. We'll do one, maybe two of these, depending on how long they take. But I'm going to read these three facts off. One of them is untrue. And you walk me through the thought process of, of why you think it. one of them might be false. So you ready? All right. All right. Kelly Ripper. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We're exactly alike. Uh, a French general gave John Quincy Adams... An alligator. He kept it in one of the White House bathtubs and enjoyed showing it off. Snakes can help predict earthquakes. They can sense a coming earthquake from 75 miles away up to five days before it happens. And in World War II, American spies used fruit as a means of communication. If a bag of apples was shipped to the American home base, it meant it was safe to communicate it regular or to communicate regularly. But if it was a bag of oranges, that meant to keep quiet for the time being. So one of those is a lie, two are true. What do you, what do you think? I think it's the one with the apples and the oranges being shipped back. And why do you say that? Communication, because it seems to me that uh, you know fruit might have been days away or times away, and the fruit would rot. So ah, that's that- kind of. You're a great detective. That is our lie in oh. our first one. So we'll see if you can go two for two. I, I made that one completely up <laughs> on my own. All right. So one more. Good job. Uh, one for one. From 1953 to 1957, NBC's Today Show had a chimpanzee co-host. It is estimated he brought in the network around $100 million. Atlanta's pro football franchise joined the NFL in 1965. They were named the Falcons because then-owner Rankin Smith had a pet falcon of his own. And Canada eats more macaroni and cheese than any other nation in the world. So one of those, untrue. I'm going to go with Canada eating macaroni and cheese more than any other in the world. That's a, we eat the most, right? I've got uh, you on that one. I've got you. <laughs> we the, stumped him. The, the Falcons one is a lie. I made that one okay. completely up. So They were one, founded, though, in 1965, right? They were but, founded in 65. Uh, that is the owner's name, but he did not own a Falcon, to my uh, knowledge. Maybe he did. Was a chimpanzee with David David Parr or something like that? It was uh, the chimpanzee. I just set my book down. I'll try to get it back out real quick. But the chimpanzee, they had the name. I just I didn't want to do the name. His name was J. Fred Muggs. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I vaguely remember that. Vaguely. So 
We we've we split two truths and a lie today. Thanks for having a little fun with us. Yes. Uh, Ashley's gonna kick us back into gear. So right. to get to know something else a little bit about you, can you just let us know where are you from originally? Grew up in Batesburg, Leesville, South Carolina. Okay. Small community, a rural community. Um, loved growing up there. It was a great place to grow up. So then we'll dive in a little bit more on the Rock Hill side of things and just sports tourism in general. Why did you decide to come work here in Rock Hill? Well, uh, I was graduating from Clemson, had to do an internship. Uh, Jack Holman and Mike Bailey at the time interviewed me, uh, offered me the internship, came here, thought I was going to get a job after the three-month internship. Uh, that didn't pan out. Went to Richland County, and both Jack and Mike called me back, and kind of the rest is history. I've and done a little bit of everything in parks, recreation, and tourism. <laughs> and how long have you been with the city here? Uh, 40 years. 40 years. Did, uh, did, is this what you wanted to do growing up? You're like, I want to be in PRT. No, <laughs> no. I love sports growing up. Okay. But uh, when you know, I headed off to Clemson, I was going to be a horticulture major. I was going to go back home working the peaches and uh, do great things with coming up with that next best brand of peaches. But I uh, got in school, got to working with the YMCA out of Anderson, uh, reffing a lot of ball, just enjoyed it. Changed my major two years into school uh, to this and haven't regretted it ever since. So... We hear about how far Rock Hill has come, which means that at one point, Rock Hill wasn't in the best shape. What was it like when you first got here? I would say the best way to uh, say it, uh, you know, that was in the early 80s. Uh, the community was uh, in decline from uh, having 13 textile mills. Those were closing right and left when I got here. Uh, the need to come up with things to diversify our economy was talked about all the time, you know, high-tech stuff. And somehow or another, I, we don't exactly know how it happened, but parks and recreation became uh, kind of a focus on a way we could diversify our economy. But it was, uh, you know, going through that decline of all the textile mills closing and starting on the rise when I got here. So. so you say you don't know how it became a focus, but that's when it, it became a focus? Do you, do you have any more to expand on that? Well, Cherry Park was being discussed when, when I first got here. Mm. Um, and, you know, somewhere along the line, I don't know if it was Joe Lamford, uh, Betty Joe Ray, or Ed Thompson, uh, you know, just when I got hired for Cherry Park, it was saying, like, well, all right, one of the focuses – you got to bring people in and it we we went after tournaments got some tournaments had good old southern hospitality had built relationships and we were a success at that and somewhere along that line the coin sports tourism kind of was uh i don't know if rock hill was the first one to do it but it became the first one uh, particularly in the state of south carolina that started using sports tourism so uh, somewhere along that line, somewhere along the early part of Cherry Park, we started thinking about it as an economic driver uh, to our community. So, 
So you've really been here from the very beginning. I mean, really, in terms of expanding Rock Hill into this, I mean, essentially a mecca of sports tourism. So how rewarding has that been for you to be here from the beginning? I mean, in all reality. Well, I've been fortunate. You know, when I left left home, my mom and dad told me, and it, it always taught me, say, surround yourself with good people. And I've been very blessed uh, to be re- surrounded with progressive councils, good management, good people to work with. And, you know, I think when you, you look at something that way, success breeds success and things happen. Uh, but it's all because of the good people, much like y'all that I've been uh, fortunate to work with over the last 40 years. And um, to kind of just then expand after Cherry Park. So, you know, we've kind of talked a little bit about Cherry Park just briefly. But what facilities came after Cherry Park? And then how did that park kind of act as a springboard for those new opportunities here? Okay, well, I, some of you may recall that Cherry Park was a, a highly political, uh, talked about thing. Uh, you know, it was taking up valuable land on Cherry Road. Um, so it was like a four to three vote on council to move forward with that. Some say that several councilmen at that time lost their seats because they vote, voted mm. for Cherry Park. And then the, the work that um, Parks and Rec at that time did to bring in tourism and the success that Cherry had, I think has been the foundation and the building blocks that springboarded the rest of the facilities you see here uh, now in Rock Hill, particularly that deal with, with sports tourism. and. You know, a lot of things have happened on the way to make that a success. But uh, Cherry really springboarded that. Uh, you know, the facilities that came after that, you know, I can go to a passive. Glencairn was on the uh, hills of Cherry. Uh, Manchester started being talked about. Then the hospitality tax. Kerry Smith came in, was from Daytona, uh, was a proponent of the hospitality tax, 2% tax on food and beverage. So we got a revenue source. That revenue source turned into Manchester, you know, being two or three fields into eight fields, which got us in the market to do soccer and lacrosse and all those types of things. Uh, The tennis center was developed, uh, 11 courts with the championship court that got us into tennis stuff. And then, you know, on the hills of uh, those facilities came the um, cycling center, uh, and you know, so all of that just kind of, uh, I think, breeded success. And uh, you know, we we never we we developed relationships in all of those worlds in the cycling world and in the softball and the soccer and lacrosse, and uh, that that really helped us uh, get to a point where I think we are today. So that 4-3 vote really set the course for uh, sports tourism in Rock Hill and what it's become today. Uh, can you take us inside the context and the po- political sides and some of the conversations that were going on back then on why people wanted to or didn't want to build Cherry Park? Well, one, I mean, people, and rightly so, it was very valuable land. It was like 
if you take Central Park in New York, that was kind of the feeling that, you know, we were putting a Central Park in the middle of the Rock Hill business district at that time. So there were some folks that didn't like that, thought the land could be used for a better and higher purpose. Uh, at that time, you know, we were spending $5 million on a park. Um, and, uh, you know, it's kind of unheard of in, in the early 80s to be spending $5 million on a uh, park that, you know, a lot of people thought parks and recreation was a frill. And I could go into a whole nother story about <laughs> that. But, uh, you know, people thought that. Some people thought that. But you had visionary leaders like, you know, Joe Lamford, uh, Betty Joe Ray, Doug Eccles, and others that saw that this could be, if we did something great to bring people in on the weekends, it could be an economic driver. But guess what? It was also a great quality Class A place for our locals to participate in sports. And, you know, that mixture of being able to do the thing on the weekend and bring people in, spend money in Rock Hill with providing quality Class A places for our locals to play has been, uh, I think, just a very successful model, and it's been copied by numerous other cities all over our country. And we've had cities from all over the southeast visit us and look at what we do, ask what the uh, what's the secret sauce, how do we do these things? And there's a lot of things I could go into uh, there, but uh, you know, it comes down to relationships. It comes down to being honest with your council on what things are going to cost being honest with what they're gonna be, the cost are gonna be to run them on a yearly basis. And I think we've done a good job at that. And I think council has done a good job with supporting that notion. And you see parks like Cherry Park that are now 35 years old, but a lot of people come into town and says it looks like a brand new park. Mm -hmm. So you, you mentioned that kind of building a $5 million park is um, essentially unheard of. So it, could, it seems like, at you know, the time. at the time, right. So, but Rock Hill seems to just continue to level up and do those things that make the city so unique. And, you know, first thing that comes to my mind is the BMX um, track there. So can you kind of take us into going through that whole process? And did you ever think, you know, global events would be coming here to little old Rock Hill? I, I don't think I ever had that vision starting out, but you know, once we got into uh, thinking about cycling venues, and you know, I'll give uh, uh, Mayor Doug Eccles credit. We we went and looked at a lot of places. The only thing that was being talked about at first was a velodrome, and we had uh, some uh, citizens that were interested in doing that, and we went to Fort Lauderdale. Florida, uh, the mayor and I, and uh, the actual developer at that time of River Walk, uh, David Williams, uh, and Mike Cowan, a local neurosurgeon that uh, was interested in the velodrome, we went down there to look, and a velodrome was probably not going to grab enough attention and get enough political support. And the mayor said, uh, after we visited Fort Lauderdale, it had a velodrome, it had a criterium, it had tennis courts, it had traditional ball fields. And he said, maybe if we mix all that together and go after several things and make it 
much bigger, we can garner support for it. And sure enough, through his vision, through people like the Sports Commission getting involved, and that was John Gettys at the time that was uh, chairman of the Sports Commission. Uh, with those folks going to council, it became a reality. And we built the velodrome first, but we knew we were going to do those other things. And uh, you know, it is uh, the velodromes had national and world attention, but the BMX. You know, I can tell some neat stories about uh, first going to uh, Switzerland to uh, to you know talk to folks oh, and wow. about being in competition with Bangkok, Thailand. I had some of my friends. It was right about the time Bangkok had some military unrest and some of my friends said well you got connections to the cia because you, you caused a little bit of unrest in bangkok and that, <laughs> that got them uh, looking at rock hill but we had a great time doing there uh, it's funny another funny story is uh we had interpreters and they were interpreting thai to english but she had to also interpret my english to english and she had more trouble with me than she did with the Thai guy, so the southern type of English. Southern type of English, it, we, but we had a lot of fun with that. A lot of good folks uh, that have made made the mark with the BMX, and so been great. I, I imagine there had to be some person in these conversations who said we should do BMX because BMX wasn't one of the things you listed when you went to Fort Lauderdale, and then another person who said we should make the facility world-class, or was that on the table from the beginning? Well, uh, the mayor wanted to expand, and we started talking about cycling things, and I think we kind of came up with the idea of PRT, kind of came up with the idea of BMX, and we had seen how it brought people to other areas. So we came up and said this could also be a facility of BMX, but let's do a crit course. Okay. Uh, where and the mayor loved that because when we were in Fort Lauderdale, he looked over the bank of the velodrome, saw a grandfather with uh, his grandchild teaching him how to ride a bike and didn't have to worry about cars and other things like that. So uh, that was kind of a great segue and a good vision to come back and bring home about the other facilities. So BMX, Criterium, Cyclocross mountain biking all became part of that with the traditional uh you know we got a big field out there that we call the greens that people can just go to and participate in whatever they want to do kite flying or frisbee throwing and then we've also got uh you know the facilities there that i mentioned that uh have been very successful for us uh Talk about what the 2017 UCI or BMX UCI World Championships meant for Rock Hill. I think more than anything, it galvanized the community. Uh, the community bought into it. They were proud to showcase Rock Hill to 48 different countries from around the world. Uh, we got to learn a little bit about cultures from all of those folks. Um, and, you know, I think the biggest thing that it did is it brought the whole community together to put on a show. And I think we put on a great show in 2017. You know, it's been compared to uh, the London Olympics. Wow. And, you know, and I think you're in pretty heady uh, company if they start comparing you to a, 
Olympic venue and an Olympic event. So we were thrilled about that uh, and look forward to what the future has in store. Is that the largest event to date that has come to Rock Hill? Uh, no. And I always pick at Mark Saxon. Uh, Mark Saxon had the first televised event that he was chairman of, and that's uh, the U.S. Soccer uh, mm. Nationals that we had at Manchester. And then, you know, we kind of both did the BMX together along with Jerry Shapiro and Sig Hewitt. Um, and, it, you know, it was big and brought a good amount of people, and it put us on the map more on a worldly stage but the largest event we ever had was one that i chaired and it was a 689 team softball tournament okay that was held back in the early early to mid 90s and that took two state governments working on it took four different cities that we had to coordinate with and it was like fort mill york charlotte and rock hill and then you had uh, the, you know, both the county, York and Mecklenburg County working together. And you had uh, North and South Carolina working wow. together to make that event. And it was great, but it got so big. And I think Rock Hill is credited with making that, that they split the country by the Mississippi River and had a East and West World Series uh, from then on, but that that was the largest one. And you let that, Mark never forget that, I, right? <laughs> I won't let him ever forget that. But you know, of course, they have gone on with the cornhole and other things that we've received a lot of national attention with uh, TV media and that type of thing. Uh, Mark and them have done a great job of that, and I just pick at him about that. But from the numbers of people that that one in the early '90s brought more people to Rock Hill. So 2024 Worlds BMX, uh, UCI BMX Worlds are coming back. Um, so how do you foresee that playing out? Or maybe like what's the biggest difference? You know, we've just or are still, if you will, going through a pandemic. Um, so how do you foresee the, the biggest differences there? Well, uh, the pandemic has definitely changed a number of things. And, uh, you know, so I'm sure that'll uh, have some bearing on wh how we do things. But hopefully we'll be uh, all vaccinated and be beyond uh, COVID by 2024, and it'll be like a big coming out party. And we'll have, uh, uh, you know, I'm confident that we'll do all the things that make us as good or better in 2024. Uh, you know, we learned a lot in 2017. Uh, our own Max Watson won tellies with some of the stuff that he did uh, with the logo and with videos. I'm sure we'll do everything we can to make that bigger and better. Um, and, you know, we're excited to have him back. Uh, excited to showcase Rock Hill again. A lot's happened since 2017, so we've got a lot more to show people how Rock Hill's grown uh, since two, 2017. So we look forward to that event. So the the BMX track, or let, let me back up real quick. What was, and I didn't prepare you, so if you don't have the numbers, just you can speak uh, generally, but the economic impact of what sports tourism was bringing to Rock Hill 
before and after both the BMX facility and the sports and events center? Ooh, well, we uh, we had gotten up to about $20 million a year. Okay. Um, and then you throw a Worlds in there in 2017, which added $29 million. So that uh, was an individual $29 million on 29, top of the 20? Wow. Uh, on top of the okay. 20. So we had a 40-something million dollar economic impact. And then what you're seeing now with uh, the indoor center uh, – and you know, I like to applaud all the city staff and city council and management for their vision because they helped us get back up and running, and the state too helped us get back up and running after COVID. And uh, you know, and the, that facility was poised to open, and we had to had a few events, and then we had to close down. Mm-hmm. So uh, you see a twenty million dollar economic impact. Before those facilities come on, it starts inching up a little bit. Uh, FY21, with the indoor center, we were at $78 million, uh, which I think is tremendous uh, (laughs) for our community. Uh, Now, you'll see it level off a little bit because what happened with COVID? Well, Mm -hmm. places like North Carolina shut down. So a lot of events that we packed the – gills full in 20 and 21 but a lot of those events are spreading back out to other communities that are opening back up so you'll see it level off probably in the 72 73 million dollar range but that's still uh, a lot more than i thought it was going to be i mean i think we did a clemson uh you know feasibility study and it said that that facility could have a uh extra 10 million dollar economic impact but you know when you're when you're pumping 150 200 teams in there every weekend whether it be basketball cornhole um, you know uh, gymnastics or volleyball i mean it it's had a great impact and just shows true vision by our city council and our city management i mean 20 to 80 that's a huge jump i mean that's a 400 percent increase 300 something like that um so the sports and events center for those who may not know what it is it's in downtown rock hill enormous facility biggest of its kind on the east coast eight basketball courts which can also turn into 16 volleyball courts not including the championship court which is in the ground and holds 1100 people and you can split that into two volleyball courts if you needed to so that's what we're looking at and if you haven't heard of this (laughs) you're living under a rock or something well how did the vision for that begin um well again our sports commission uh uh, you know saw a need you know we were saying what's that next best thing for us to go after and it was always the volleyball public had always really blistered us because we weren't doing anything in rock hill uh for that clientele and so uh you know mr vihan along with council uh you know, had a vision. Again, we had the Sports Commission that came on board and our Parks, Recreation, and Tourism Commission that went to council, said, you know, this is one of those things that we needed. And in grand old Rock Hill fashion, not only did we build a bunch of basketball courts, we did it at a high level. And we did it with not so much... Uh, and a lot of those places that we were visiting, you'd walk in and you'd feel like you were in an industrial plant. Well, 
we put a little bit more uh, you know, wood and fixtures and textures that made it look a little bit more than just a basketball facility. And then, you know, you couple that, you couple a grand facility with great staff and good people, good old Southern hospitality, and building those relationships again with the folks that are out there that are in this business has helped us tremendously. We got some very exciting things coming up next year uh, with Adidas Sports, and we're working on others. Uh, but uh, that indoor center has been a, a game changer I think for all of Rock Hill and, and what we can produce, you know, and once we decided that we were going to do the indoor center, it started things. A 60-room boutique hotel went to a 100-room with an option to build 100 more right there beside it. So, And that created going from $53,000 of property tax to almost $300,000 of property mm. tax from the hotel. And then what the facility did it brought the uh, cornhole acl world headquarters to rock hill and in the lowenstein building and then they brought uh, their manufacturing arms for all thing cornhole uh, out uh, it's located in the old cab tech building but that brought 55 more jobs so wow. a lot of the things that we're doing not, are not just solely just recreation and centered around tourism, but it's helping create that economic engine for Rock Hill. And I, I remember one of the stories that our, our former mayor had, Doug Eccles, said he called to do a sales pitch to the Earth Fair representatives about coming to Rock Hill, and he was getting all riled up and talking, and the guy said, Mr. Mayor, hold on, hold on. And the mayor said, okay, okay, what? Said, he said, I just had my child down at Manchester Meadows playing a soccer event. Any city that can build a soccer facility like Manchester Meadows deserves an earth fair. So, I mean, that, those are type of mind-blowing uh, things that I think has helped rise and raise our department up to a, an essential department with its own revenue source. And, you know, uh, we're, we're happy to be at that level. All of our departments are great, but but you know, I, nowadays it would be hard to say we're not going to do a PRT facility or event. Do you have another story or two of, we'll say, cool people speaking very highly of Rock Hill facilities? Maybe one about the BMX track and one about the indoor. Um. Well, uh, the Union Cyclista. Is that how you say it? Sure. <laughs> International, we'll, we'll, take we'll it. go with it. So <laughs> uh, they have bragged, you know, about we were the uh, first time BMX had been in here since 2001. So it had been 16 years that a uh, BMX event had been hosted in the U.S. of A. So they used us as a model. And, I, you know, I think when – you used as a model or you're copied or people come look at what you do. I mean, we had Houston coming in to look and, uh, you know, how we did things. And we had other communities doing that from all across the world. Uh, I think that's the biggest form of flattery if somebody copies you. So I think that would be great. And then I, you know, all the rights holders uh, that we've talked to are just totally uh, blown away 
by the indoor center. You got major basketball coaches like Frank Martin at South Carolina singing the praises of Rock Hill. And, the, you know, if they can build a facility like this, he's going to make a way to get up here and play. And he's doing some of that, as we'll see December 10th to the 12th. But then you get big-name uh, sporting goods folks that want their event associated with a facility like Rock Hill. And then next thing you know, you have a meeting, a lunch, or a drink with some of these folks, and they're just folks just like me and you. They're just working in that Adidas world or Under Armour or whatever. They love what they see. They love the people they meet. And they, they're bringing an event that'll be a week-long event that'll be huge for Rock Hill uh, next year. And, you know, it'll be during one of the live periods. We'll probably have uh, a 1,000 college coaches coming in, both on the women's side and the men's side. So it'll... It'll be a big deal for Rock Hill, and it'll further get our name uh, splashed across our nation. And, I, you know, I, again, I think that's, that's a, a big-time accomplishment if you can keep building on those things, generating that money, getting your name across the nation as being a great place for amateur sports. And, oh, by the way, amateur sports and what we do also helped the Panthers make a decision to come here. So you read my mind. That's another big, big accomplishment. So how do you expect, just going off of the Panthers, how do you expect the city's relationship with the Panthers to grow sports tourism here in the city and the things that you guys have on your horizon? Well, just, you know, Carolina Panthers is going to help it grow, for one. But then, you know, Mr. Tepper had a saying that, Here's where you are with amateur sporting uh, events, and then here's where you want to be. You know, so I think maybe partnering with them to use their facilities to showcase some of our younger talent at their facilities and giving our kids uh, uh, you know, that grand stage to play in is going to build their self-confidence and build uh, uh, you know, all kinds of things that will help us uh, we'll probably be able to do more events because of that facility. Uh, we'll probably be getting into the concert business. Now, that might be them or that might be us. We'll have some passive park facilities in and around that campus, and we're, we're real excited to be a part of that and to be a part of the Panthers and what it can do for our community. I mean, you look at Pittsburgh or uh, the Star and outside of Dallas and Fort Worth, I believe, you look at what those facilities have done for their community, not only from what it's done for the kids, but the Fortune 500 companies that have surrounded those facilities. Uh, I just think it's going to have a huge impact on our area and uh, be real good for Rock Hill, York County, and the whole state of South Carolina. Now, I have a lot of people tell me uh, when they hear about sports tourism in Rock Hill, you know, you got, and not all these are PRT events, but you got Cornhole, you got the Disc Golf Championships, you've had Quidditch there before, uh, BMX, cycling practices, that there are just a lot of unique sports on there. Do you, do you get the same thing? Oh, yeah. I mean, that Quidditch, there's a funny story <laughs> behind that. Mark okay. and them had, had pretty much already sold them, but they weren't completely uh, 
decided that they were coming to Rock Hill, and they asked me to come out and just meet the folks and say hi. And uh, because my daughters were big Harry Potter fans, I walked in and said, all right, which one of you is the snitch? And I, uh, they said, we're coming to Rock Hill. And I said, great, good to have you here. And Mark and them were like, whoa. That's so cool. Uh, you did also touch on the uh, college basketball tournament coming to the Rock Hill Sports and Events Center in December. Um, how, how did that originate, and what will it be like to have some of the big-name college players, teams, coaches here in Rock Hill? Well, it originated with some of those coming up to our live periods, some of those coaches coming to our live periods and uh, liking what they saw in the facility. Uh, and then in a partnership with the convention, uh, York County Convention and Business Bureau, we all started working together on how that could happen in our facility. And, uh, you know, we're looking forward to them uh, being a part of what we do here in Rock Hill. And again, that'll give our locals something to aspire to and help raise the awareness about how we do things in Rock Hill. So we, we covered a lot um, today. Is there anything else happening or on the horizon that you'd like to tell us or like to add? Well, uh, particularly, uh, you know, we're already planning for our next regional facility. Uh, you know, we'll be on the south side of town um, and so we're going to start now, I think, uh, gathering uh, groups together, neighboring, neighborhood groups and others, and try to come up, what is that next big thing that we could do that uh, might be a niche or it might be expanding on something that we're already doing. Uh, but, you know, Rock Hill is poised for growth, and I think it's poised uh, not only the – Fortune 500 growth, we're also posed to be Fortune 500 in the parks, rec, and tourism world, and uh, we look forward to what that will come out and be, uh, but, you know, it will be another regional facility and uh, be an, another, just knowing Rock Hill, regardless of who's here, it'll be another piece that our community can take pride in. Well, we'll be excited to uh, hear the news on that. You're a busy man, so thank you for joining us today on CityCast. Thank you all for having me. Thanks for listening to the Rock Hill CityCast. Episodes are available each week to stream on SoundCloud, Google, and Apple Podcasts. To keep up with City of Rock Hill information, follow us on social media.